Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 20 officers demanding immediate reversal of decision to remove Haruna Idrisu as minority leader. It's a very big mistake leadership is making. We have never experienced such changes before. This is our first time of hearing. We hear from the Haruna Idrisu who has been defending his legacy as minority leader. You may like or dislike Haruna. Unless I got a speaker elected, I got a budget re uh, rejected and installed, I got a Japan rejected, uh, I got a debt exchange which is still struggling to uh, be approved in service of the people. We are live in Aswasi, also in the Ashanti regional capital, where NDC supporters have been reacting to the removal of minority chief with Mutaka Mubarak. Also, Ministry of Health cites unexpected vaccine hesitancy, cold chain storage challenges, spontaneous donations, as well as manufacturer storage difficulties as reasons why vaccines worth $81 million paid by the government are yet to be received, insisting it is upholding the interests of the state. Details as the minority in parliament pushed for a probe, plus recommend for the prosecution of persons found culpable of misappropriating monies. The revelations of the Auditor General provide new impetus for them to probe further and to call those institutions that the Auditor General have named to come forward and account for it. We have details of that. Also, 7,000 school children in the Pandai district slam it hard on the floor because of a lack of furniture. The district education officer of Pandai cries for help, saying the situation is critical. When we come and sit on the floor, our things will be dirty. And next day, when you go, we would like to wash your things, but your parents will not agree for you to wash the things. We don't even fail to come to school. And in business, some beverage firms lay off workers whilst others are shutting down operations due to high tariffs and unfavorable conditions.
And in sports, Chris Hutton leads the race to become next coach of the Black Stars with football enthusiasts and the Member of Parliament, Sam George Hinton. The decision is because the association want to manipulate him. We have details of that and more. Plus, individual bondholders form strength and resolve to demand exemption from the domestic debt exchange as they believe bank signing deal gives government 80% of its target. But is the finance minister breaking the law in the debt exchange program? Legitimately, you've invested your money. You are entitled to the interest on your investment. Whether interest plus principal or interest and principal is yours. If the state decides to take it, that is an act of expropriation. And we'll be hearing from the National Secretariat of the National Cathedral amidst all the controversy. That and more here on Newsnight. You want to join us with your thoughts and comments? Is via WhatsApp is 055111997. We're live on Facebook, Twitter Spaces, and myjournaline.com. I am MFA Apao. And my name is Evan Smensa. We start with the breaking news story all day uh, about the reshuffle in the NDC leadership in Parliament. <laughs> And that there, uh, hundreds uh, who stormed the NDC Tamale South constituency offices demanding the immediate reversal of the decision to remove Harun Adrisu as minority leader. Amit shocks uh, some vowed to retaliate if the decision is not overturned. It's a very big mistake leadership is making. And uh, I think they need to reconsider their We see him as the leader for progressive development in the party. So if some few members or leadership from the party from Iraqi could take such a decision without making consultation at the trust to see the contribution is making to the party, I think it's unfortunate. When you say Imam Khatib, in our uh, minority caucus in Parliament, and we were so disappointed because, as we are saying, we are in my uh, opposition now. So we have, we have never had such a thing before. We have never experienced such changes before. This is our first time of hearing that. Even if they are changing it, we were in power and they are doing, we were doing it. But yet, we are in opposition. We want unity. We don't want any distribution in the country. And you think this decision is going to create this unity? It is going to do it. We are telling the Asedi Kekitia and the 1540 that if the exchange we will not listen to any one of them again. No minority leader, no Asedi Kekitia. They shouldn't visit any northern region in Tamale. Well, let me take you live uh, to Tamale South now. Now our correspondent Martina Bugri is there for us. Martina, so we've been hearing from hundreds who stormed the NDC Tamale South constituency offices. Well, I'm sure we've been hearing what exactly their concern is, the removal of Harun Idrisu. But have we heard from the party leadership on this other level? It held a meeting um, some few hours ago, and they are due to address the press later this evening. I must say that the police also came there to meet with the leadership of the party on how they can ensure that this doesn't escalate into something else. And so very soon the party leadership would be addressing the media on what decision they would take next. Before we hear from the party leadership, because I know that the chairman of the Tamale South constituency has been speaking also, but give us a, a sense of what exactly happened just after the announcement. At what point did we get all these constituents massing up other party office? 
Now, you know, the announcement came, you read the news at 12. Some said they had it on, on Joy News at 12. Some also said it was shared via social media. And so uh, they took time to, to, to let it sink. And right after the three o'clock prayer, the party leadership started moving to the uh, party office and then the, the youth started marching up. And so within a twinkle of an eye, the place was already filled up with the uh, supporters of uh, the party in that constituency. They, they started sharing uh, posters of some of the executives and those that were deliberately picked were that of the party chairman, Asedun Ketia, and the secretary, Fifi Kwete. They deliberately picked those ones and started carrying them. And then chanting, you know, that these are two people they would not want to see in that constituency if the decision is not reversed. They used um, printable words to describe some, uh, to describe the two, which is not so good for the state as we speak now. But largely they were very upset, very angry that such a decision is coming at this time. And they think that he's been, Mr. Idris is being victimized because he is alleged not to be supporting, uh, the candidate of John Dramani Mahama. That's the notion they hold. Well, I'm sure we, we spoke to the party chairman and he had this um, unkind words to say to. But this one, this one, we are not that. Two people do it. I said in Katia and uh, Fifi Two of them, two of them do it. But oh, we, are, we are aware, we are aware that they will do more than this one because. You know what to do. You know what to do. You know what to do. I said in Katia, vote, me to our vote. These people all, 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 all of them, yes, to vote. So don't tell me that why, why we have voted. You know how to do it. If you want, if you want, my, I'm the chairman for Thomas and constituency. If you tell my people that, go, vote for Hadra, don't vote for your mama. If you put them for a party, no, I ask you, if you tell, if you go around and tell people that, vote for Haruna. So, yes, so that's why don't ask me that if you want this, if you want, if you, if you accept, if you do that, then what did I do? I have to So, this one, this one, that's why, that's why you said that, you know, you know, I agree. This one, you are, you know, I agree. You know, I agree. Because, if you quote Asen Katia, if you don't do it, so Asen Katia, I want to remind you, you know, the time you came to General Secretary, you don't have Peshwa. You don't have Peshwa to give anybody. But you have, you have given the, 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 the Senator to you. So now you are, you are a big man. You want to, want to punish people. So that's the um, chairman of the Tamale South Coast 20, Suleimana Abdul Rauf. Martina, I know you're still on the beat for us as we wait for that official press conference. Tell, about, uh, tell us about the situation right now as we speak. Do we still have supporters at the party headquarters? And at what point exactly did the police also have to come in to control the situation? Um, as we speak now, they've called for prayers, so most of them have this test to go and pray. But from what I sense, we would definitely have we will definitely see some patrols in, in town already because we already we have some security personnel stationed around the area to ensure the place is safe. And um, the police came in around four thereabouts to engage with the leadership. And this is to help uh, calm down campus so that it doesn't escalate.
That's uh, my colleague Martina Bugri there. Uh, she's still on the beat once that press conference is underway. Uh, we'll get back to the Tamale South constituency for more reactions on this. Well, you've been speaking to Harina Idris, so yes, honest. Yes, and, and Martina Bugri made a point there that on the ground in the constituency, in Harina Idris's constituency, they, the, the supporters said that they believe this has is happening to Harina Idris because he doesn't support John Mahama. Mm -hmm. On PM Express yesterday, I asked him that question. For the first time, he actually endorsed John Mahama. He says John Mahama is the only credible candidate they have. President Nana Dudankwa and his feelings have made President Mahama more credible and a good credible candidate to market. Everything he cautioned against with this government said we will do, they have done it to failure. So it's important that the Ghanaian people appreciate. I mean, you are talking about corruption. Look at the COVID report. Did I just say and you endorsed John Mahama? Uh, I have no hesitation doing that if I have to, okay. but I essentially uh, will vote him and my constituency will stand strongly. But I mean, so he mm -hmm. says he will vote for him. He actually says his constituency will stand firm mm -hmm. with him when it comes uh, to it. It's almost saying that I can guarantee delegates uh, from my constituency. Uh, but he's gone now. He was speaking to me less than 24 hours ago. Nobody knew he was going to, and the next not. day he will be a, a common floor member. Uh, but one thing he did was to defend his legacy as a the minority leader. As I'm completing my fifth term, uh, service to the country, public service, 20 years standing, if I get this uh, done, I've had the rare privilege. 20 years? You yes. As my at, at the end of this particular yes, term? Yes. If I complete this, I would have done 20 years uh, in parliament. I've had the rare privilege to serve the Republic as Minister for Communications, my footprints are there. Employment. Uh, Minister for Trade and Industry, my footprints are there. Minister for Employment, my footprints are there. Even as minority leader, you may like or dislike Haruna. At least I got a speaker elected. I got a budget re uh, rejected and installed. I got a Japan rejected. Uh, I got a debt exchange which is still struggling to uh, be approved in service of the people. So that's Aaron Adrisu uh, there, uh, talking about his legacy, what he believes is that in Parliament. But there's something else he, he talked about last night. He, he appeared to have been very committed to pushing the party to protect his other members of Parliament who are currently MPs mm -hmm. when it comes to the primary. In fact, this appeared to be his next agenda going into the primaries later this year. To protect, the to protect his, MPs. his MPs. And because you remember, remember the conversation we having on Top Story? The MPs are not, are not happy mm -hmm. that they've not been consulted. Mutala saying, you have to reverse that decision. You didn't consult us. Well, Kleto Savoka also uh, saying same. Same. And, and on the NDC MP platforms, the, the view there is that the party must consult them. They must have a say in who is appointed. Well, Harun Adrisu makes the point to me yesterday that one of the things that he believes must happen in the primary is that his colleague MPs, including MPs like uh, Mutala Mohammed and Co. In fact, he mentions um, in particularly uh, uh, Roxin Dafiamekbo. Okay. Their seats must be protected by the party. This but I wish that as minority leader, they would have allowed me to do an assessment of some of my MPs, some I need, and I need to keep them. So you see how democratic we are. I oh, as say, in, in your, in, in your no, primaries? No, okay. as minority leader, mm -hmm. I should have a fair assessment of some of the MPs. 
that the party necessarily must consider returning to parliament. Oh, I see, because in your primaries. Absolutely. Okay, your because this work is about experience. Who, who, any, any of them you have in mind that you could read? Oh, I have, talk I, about? Have, I, have, I, have, I have several. Uh, Nelson Dafemeko, Teddy, who has won Ayan Swano for long, he didn't. And uh, uh, I may end up mentioning, I mean, as minority leader, my first loyalty is to incumbent. I support mm -hmm. every incumbent who wants to return back to parliament. But the principle Save in a situation where he's so unpopular that the constituents are not likely to accept him. That's uh, Haruna Idrisu uh, speaking to Evans uh, last night on PM Express. Let's head to the Ashanti region now uh, because another shocker is the removal of Mutaka Mubarak and uh, Swasi MP. And his constituents have been reacting to this. Uh, my colleague Nanaya Ojima is live there. But listen to his interaction with some of the constituents there. He's the only MP in the metro. When, you, when we lost Ashanti region when we lost Aswasi constituency election, when we lost it today, forget about NDC. Because Aswasi is the only seat in the metro which NDC can came Ashanti region to post. So when you don't, if you lost Ashanti region like Aswasi, show me which constituency NDC can come and make a campaign there. You can go, unless you go to Biasi or Edura. All of them, they are outside Ashanti. Aswasi is the only constituency in Ashanti, in metro. So why are you doing that? Thank you so much. Is it going to affect the fortunes of NDC comes 2024 elections? Yes, of course. How? Uh, I don't know where the party here got the idea of changing the leadership of the minority. Mm. I want to ask the Hira top hierarchy of the party in which article of the party constitution that states that the party hierarchy is mandated to choose. Um, uh, the caucus leadership for the uh, for the parties at the parliament. Have you actually gone through the constitution very well? Well, then let's go live now. Nanaya Ojima is there. Evans, you recall the altercation between mm. uh, Mutaka Mubarak and the constituency chairman just about last week or so, unresolved. And this is where we are today. Nanaya Ojima, so what actually is the talk we've heard from the constituents themselves amongst the leadership of the party at Aswasi? What have they been telling you? So we tried speaking to some of the party leadership in Aswasi, but... Um, none of them would respond to us. According to them, they are trying to gather more details on what is happening in Parliament. And if they are able to get these details, they will get back to us and speak to us um, on the matter. But um, among the um, party members in Afghanistan, a lot of them are surprised about um, the development. And they believe that this shouldn't be allowed to happen. The party should reinstate both um, honorable Munchaka and also the uh, minority leader because they, according to them, they've done so well in the past two years, and at least the party should allow them to finish um, their term in in office as leadership, especially um, heading towards the next election. Well, but um, do they have any official position? Are we hearing of whether, indeed, there will be an official communication on the part of the party at that level amongst others? And Mutaka Mubarak himself, we know he's been in the constituency. Have we spotted him? What exactly is the talk there? As of now, um, whether the, it remains unclear if the party will issue an official communication on this. But I was trying to 
speak to some of the um, leadership, the, the people who hold executive position in the party. But according to them, they would want to meet as leadership of the party in the constituency and also discuss the issue and, if possible, um, you know, respond to it. But it's, it remains unclear. They are yet to have full communication that they, they are waiting for from the party leadership in Accra and other things. So they are trying to gather some details on, on the remover and, if possible, they will speak to us. But as of now, we cannot confirm if they'll 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 come out with an official communication on the removal of their MP as a chief whip in in in, in, in parliament for the minority. Well, in Tamale, we saw um, constituents massing up at the party office, tearing posters amongst others. Do we have same situation in Aswasi, and how are we controlling it? It is not same in the Ashanti region. Um, when I passed through the party office, it was very calm there. But some of the people that I saw them around the party office are not happy with the situation. Um, it, it, it's, it's not likely that we see people uh, mass up at the party office, uh, office to destroy some property or, you know, demonstrate their displeasure. That's uh, my colleague Nanaya Ojima. Uh, well, in the Volta region, uh, we're told uh, there's a statement from the Volta region NDC at that level congratulating Governor Squamia Agboja. And this is signed by the Regional Secretary James Guno and uh, saying that they are proud and um, that he's been elevated to the position of the Minority Chief Whip of the NDC Group in Parliament and that congratulations. And may the good Lord order your steps as you occupy that enviable position in Parliament. Your elevation goes to show the contribution of the Volta NDC to the course of the larger NDC party in Ghana and also your own contribution as the ranking member for the Roads and Transport Committee over the years ends by saying that the Volta Regional Party is ready to support you excel as you prepare to go into a critical election in 2024. Let's speak to an NDC insider and a former uh, leader in, in, on their side in the last uh, parliament he is uh, Inusa Fuseni uh, joins us on the telephone line right now used to be the uh, minority spokesperson on constitutional legal affairs. Mr. Fuseni, uh, did this come to you as a surprise at all? And what do you make of the concerns from some of your previous uh, colleagues in the House on the NDC side that they should have been consulted? Well, it came to me as a surprise because I never had an inkling of what the leadership of the party was doing. Uh, and so uh, that was a surprise. But I respect the decision of the leadership of the party. And that is exactly why we put them in place to take decisions for and on behalf of all of us in the interest of the party. I believe that this decision is in the interest of the party. Well, you may respect the decision of the party and talk about in the interest of the party amongst others, but is this a prudent decision? I think every party wants to put its best foot forward. When we lost election, 2020, uh, we embarked on the reorganization of the party. We did branch auditing. We elected constituency executives. We elected regional executives. And then elected national executives. And so what is happening in parliament is another reorganization of parliament. And it is strategic because uh, the battle for election 2024 uh, will be fought in Parliament. Parliament will be a key battleground for election 2024 because uh, members in Parliament will have to work hard to win the minds and hearts of the people of Ghana uh, because as minority members of Parliament, 
they need to scrutinize government policy in such a way as to demonstrate that those policies are hollow, cannot secure the overall welfare of the people of this country. It might put the people of this country in a very difficult situation if those policies are implemented. They have to work very hard. And, uh, and the economy will be at the heart of election 2020. And there's no better place to fight to demonstrate that this party, this uh, uh, government uh, doesn't mean well for the people of Ghana than parliament. Well, throughout your time in parliament, do we, do we have uh, such a situation or a case where the membership were consulted before leadership decisions were taken such as this? Well, I do not recall. There's only one such circumstance. I was in parliament in 2006 and I met Bagbin as the minority leader. And in 2009, he was the majority leader until he joined the executive. Then Kumbo came. And thereafter, Kletus of Oka came. So we, I don't know, I don't recall ever being consulted on who should be my leader. I recall in 2017, uh, when we went to parliament, the general secretary then, Hasid Unkatiya, in the company of some national executives, came and informed us on what the party had decided uh, as regards the leadership of the party in parliament. I remember uh, we raised issue. I was one such person who stood on the floor of parliament, I mean, on the, at, at the meeting ground, to raise issue. I remember a Gallagher raised issue. Uh, and so uh, I don't recall, maybe in 2021, uh, maybe there was a change of procedure, but I don't recall ever uh, having to be consulted. But we were informed that this was the decision of the party. We were informed before the announcement was made. Okay, well, we've seen protests. We've gone to Aswasi. We've had concerns also in, in Tamale South, for instance. We, many have described this as a coup d'etat within the leadership of the minority. Going forward, though, how should the party be handling this situation? We've had some MPs also very angry about the situation. Yes, the party, I don't know why they did not take steps to inform the minority caucus in parliament before the announcement, because that's why it took everybody by surprise. Uh, so maybe what I will say is that in future it will be important for the party to have the buy-in of the minority caucus in parliament or the party's members in parliament, whether it's majority or minority, because if we form government, we will be majority in parliament. And so the, uh, the party must endeavor to ensure that decisions of such nature will have the buy-in of the caucus before announcement. That will reduce this level of rancor and uh, complaint. We're grateful. That's um, Inusa Fuseni, he's a former MP himself, and um, he's been talking about the reactions that have come in as a result of the changes in the leadership of the minority in parliament. You're still listening to Newsnight on Joy 99.7 FM. Unexpected vaccine hesitancy, cold chain storage challenges, spontaneous donations, as well as 
manufacturer's storage difficulties are to be blamed for why vaccines worth $81 million paid for by the government is yet to be received. That's the justification the Ministry of Health is providing tonight after the Auditor General in this special report detailed various infractions said to have caused the nation to lose uh, billions of CDs. Well, the Ministry has been responding in the report, the statement uh, that has now been released uh, by the Health Ministry. Uh, MFA, so what does uh, the statement say? So it provides some uh, clarity and background to all this. It says as part of the African Union strategy to fight COVID-19 pandemic, in Africa, Ghana subscribed to the African Vaccine Acquisition Trust as the AVAT and protocol. Well, it was created as a central entity for the negotiation, procurement and payment for vaccine. We all recall that. And it says it must be noted that the AVAT protocol required upfront payment by countries for scheduled delivery such that soon as any such volumes of vaccines are available for delivery, payment is due through the AVAT um, arrangement. So for Ghana, over 16 million doses of the Janssen vaccines were allocated and Avat was to deliver these vaccines periodically per agreed delivery schedule as and when we needed them. Well, the reason for the agreed number of doses were also as a result of the national policy of attaining herd immunity by immunizing 21 million people. You remember that target that was set also to avoid wastage expiration and the difficulties globally in getting access to vaccines at the time. Well, so due to the unexpected hesitancy, like you've been saying, uh, this is why we are where we are. However, this process was delayed because of the aforementioned challenges. Now, currently, the ministry requested and has received the June allocation, which was delivered in January 2023. And in the meantime, the ministry adds that they continue to work with the advert for a possible review of that contract that they signed and will want to assure the public of their commitment to work in the supreme interest of the public. So that's the, some clarification that the Ministry of Health has been providing as a result of this Auditor General's report on our COVID-19 expenditure. Well, a Parliament, uh, when they resume on the 7th, uh, will begin a public hearing uh, into this particular matter. How Nedrisu uh, wants further action? The IMF asking for 3 billion US dollars. You got 2 billion from COVID. What did you do with it? Well, I mean, the, the World Bank initially gave you 1 billion dollars. The, the government has... You got 380 million US dollars from the World Bank. Yes. You got additional resources even from Korea. That even the Auditor General has hasn't... Hasn't, yes, that's true. The Auditor and General hasn't... And I think hasn't we should throw lights yes. on it. Yeah. No, it means not even all the resources dedicated yeah. to COVID. The revelations of the Auditor General provide new impetus for them to prove further and to call those institutions that the Auditor General have named to come forward and account for it. Even releases to Ministry of Foreign Affairs, we see a figure here less than what came to Parliament. So it means that the uh, audit committee that the Speaker of Parliament, Honorable Bagbin, approved to prove COVID will have to go deeper. Into this. What, and what, make sure what, that the state gets value for yes, money. Yes, exactly, but that's a the question. loot in the name That's of the question COVID. that I'm coming to. I remember the last time Parliament formed a similar committee, similar to COVID affairs, when you looked into the Minister of Health. Mm -hmm. We still don't know what has come of that recommendation that minister hasn't been sanctioned. Question is, Parliament will go into this, but then what will come out of the process at the end of the day? Those are the failures of President Nana Dudankwa Akufuad. Why him? This uh, is Parliament. We have a minister an for independent government admit, arm. No, who admits that I paid money for Sputnik. They were not supplied. I didn't go through proper procurement. He must be home. But the person to send him home is President Nana Dudankwa.
And that's uh, Harun Edrisu, um, the former minority leader. Uh, in in Parliament, to still listen to news studies on Joy ninety nine point seven uh, FM. Now I want to uh, turn our attention now to issues surrounding the National Cathedral. Joy is tonight learning that the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice has formally written to the National Cathedral Secretariat, uh, requesting its comments on a petition filed by MP for Norton Samuel Okidito Ablakwa. Now, Mr. Ablakwa alleged Secretary of the Board of Trustees of Victor Kusibwateng breached conflict of interest rules in a cathedral's payment of 2.6 million CDs to a private company uh, in which he has an interest. This request from Shraj comes at a time when two respected members of its board, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams and Reverend Eastwood Anaba, uh, want an independent audit into public funds used for the construction, uh, John Newsom understands the board had prior to the request already decided to uh, commission an audit. Uh, we have a statement from the uh, Secretariat, but we'll bring that to you shortly. But Maxwell joins me with details of this uh, uh, memo that uh, both uh, Archbishop Duncan Williams and Reverend Isudan Abad have written. Uh, first, the two pastors make the point that uh, their views on the project have not changed. What exactly has moved them to call for the suspension? Well, Evans, that part of the document reads that that quote the current economic climate in ghana presents obstacles to the timely construction and completion of the national cathedral they then quote an american poet quote a deferred dream is not a dream denied so what's this push for a probe then well it reads that in the spirits and course of transparency and accountability to the ghanaian people the current board of trustees shall appoint an, an independent nationally recognized accounting firm to audit all public funds contributed to and spent by the National Cathedral. Auditors will also audit the overall cost of the project. This, they say, shall take place before the deferment of the activities of the Board of Trustees Evans. Okay, so that's what you're asking for. MFI, um, in the last uh, few minutes, the uh, National Cathedral Secretariat have issued a statement. Well, they're acknowledging the concerns of the public um, relating to the justification for the construction of a National Cathedral within the context of the current economic challenges confronting the nation. And then the second point for which reason the statement has been issued is rela issues relating to accountability and management of the National Cathedral cathedral project. So it goes on to say that it will be recalled that the National Cathedral Project evolved as a vision of all the background as to why we are where we are and to ensure its additional relevance to the churches and the nation, the board integrated an additional element to the National Cathedral Project, including that Bible Museum, all the reasons they've given so far. And it says substantial preparatory work and foundational construction work has been done on the project and that this work has been made possible through the support of the state and general donations by individuals churches and institutions, even non-Christians have made significant contributions towards the construction of the project. Well, quite regrettably, it says inadequate funding has brought the construction work on the project to a standstill and that the major reasons for in the inadequate funding include a general misunderstanding that it is the state that is fully funding the construction of the National Cathedral and that within the challenging economic atmosphere in the country, this is misplaced. Mm. And then asks that the general impression being created that the National Cathedral Project is not being executed with the expected high Christian standards of integrity, transparency, and accountability. Well, interesting. So they, they are conceding.
conceding mm -hmm. that one, the project has, is now at a standstill because of funding challenges. And the funding challenge is because the project has been painted as lacking integrity, transparency, and accountability. And the people simply say, you know, government should not be funding this at the time of economic crisis. But then they've taken a few decisions as a result of this one. The board say they've now uh, begun discussions to engage Deloitte, mm -hmm. um, which accepted to be the auditors when the National Cathedral was registered to commence the normal statutory audit. So mm -hmm. they go to audit, which is what the Duncan Williams had asked for. We're asking for. Uh, in addition, they also say the project submitted all relevant documentation on the project to Parliament in December uh, last year, and that if Parliament so desires, it may set up a commission mm. or appoint an independent auditor to review all issues concerning the award of the contract, the procurement, construction works, financial operations of the National Cathedral project so far. So they are inviting Parliament to form a commission or, or, or on or the project, on an independent audit to, to look into this, to decide for themselves. And then the commission, as far as the human rights, the Shraj angle is concerned, uh, it's a constitutional mandated body to look into these matters on the back of Okujitua Blackwell's petition. Uh, they says the board says they've responded uh, uh, to its investigations uh, because uh, in covering the operations of the National Cathedral project, and the board will fully cooperate uh, with Shraj in its work. Um, they, 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 there's a hope that they have that these three major things they're doing audit, a commission of inquiry, cooperating with Shraj. Uh, and that they're hoping that the the, the board of the National Cathedral of Ghana, that once these nagging issues are satisfactorily dealt with, mm -hmm. the public interest and the confidence in the project will be restored. Okay. Right? And then rekindle and enable the citizenry to contribute generously to complete the cathedral, and I'm quoting, to the glory of God. Okay, but it doesn't say if the project has been halted, but it says it's at a standstill. Admit yeah, that I mean, it's at a standstill, but standstill. not a decision that they have taken. Because well, you're not contributing, because you don't trust the system. Okay, that's what uh, they're saying. Have you been paying your, your tight? Let's bring in the Noftong MP, Samuel um, Okujeto Ablakwa Evans. And um, we're grateful for your time here on Newsnight, Mr. Okujeto Ablakwa. So this is the statement, the latest statement from the National Cathedral and um, Secretariat. Well, um, they are open for an audit, even a commission um, or an appointment of an independent auditor by parliament amongst others and they are cooperating with the Shraj investigations. All this, I'm sure satisfies you at this point, doesn't it? Good evening, MFF. Quite a positive development. Um, the Ghanaian people who we represent in parliament have been demanding greater oversight and deeper accountability. Uh, this is a project that has been fraught with deception with lack of transparency with um, uh, a lot of scandals really it's been scandal dominated from day one uh, and so it is positive to hear that the board of trustees are going to invite an international auditor to audit this i am also glad that they have indicated they are, that they are open for a full-scale parliamentary inquiry. Uh, this is heartwarming because last year, uh, a number of colleagues in the House and I uh, submitted a motion uh, for uh, a full-scale inquiry. And uh, I will expect that when the House resumes uh, early next month, uh, the Right Honourable Speaker uh, will 
look upon that motion favorably and uh, Parliament will get to look into the uh, National Cathedral project. I'm also particularly pleased that the uh, Cathedral Secretariat has confirmed in their statement that the fundraising has not gone well. There has been a lot of uh, 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 doubt about the real, uh, 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 if you like, um, uh, uh, importance of this project at this time in terms of the prioritization. And so uh, if you listen to them carefully, there's a tacit uh, admission that uh, this project will now uh, be uh, if you like taking off the front banner, it will not be a priority of priorities, as the president had said earlier. Remember that the contractors, Rebade JV, have been off-site since uh, the 14th of March 2022. They indicated in their termination letters to their staff that uh, the government has not uh, been paying them uh, regularly and that for lack of funding, they are suspending work. So we are 10 months into that suspension. So I'm glad that we are not going to see the, if you like, earlier effort to uh, conceal the releases of funds from okay. Parliament and then divert funds on the blind side of parliament to okay. this project. We'll, we'll leave it here for now. We are indeed grateful for your time and um, we'll be following up on this um, as parliament resumes. Uh, we'll see the decision that we'll be taking when it comes to uh, that um, call for an independent audit and then also a commission if parliament wills. We'll see how it goes. And it's time uh, for business. When we return, individual bondholders forum, they've strengthened their resolve to demand exemption from the domestic debt exchange as they believe banks signing deals um, gives government a 80% of its targets, but is a finance minister actually breaking the law in the debt exchange program is the key question. Legitimately, you've invested your money. You are entitled to the interest on your investment. Whether interest plus principal or interest and principal is yours. If the state decides to take it, that is an act of expropriation. Let's do business. George Riafi is here. Hello, George. Hi, MFA. And uh, coming up in business, some beverage firms, a layer of workers, whilst others shut down operations as they battle with high utility tariffs and unfavorable uh, competition. And the former chair of Parliament Finance Committee, that is Dr. Marcus Ibeyebua, pushes government to renegotiate debt reduction levels target with the IMF. The business news. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.
News Night is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Ghana Pay and Alliance Life. I visited Kweku at his spunky new office to congratulate him on opening his business. And man, was I impressed. The business is just moving quick. The sales, customers, everything is just working seamlessly. The secret? Mm. He said, it's MTN Business Broadbando. In this fast-paced environment, we need fast and reliable internet to support all business types. No laggy online meetings, great download and upload speeds, impeccable business management systems, all-inclusive. I mean, you can have it all. I signed on immediately. <laughs> to enable your business stay ahead and stay connected, make sure you're signed on to the best internet made just for businesses. MTN Business Broadband. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community One, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase K and USD campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 Welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, some beverage firms are laying off workers whilst others are shutting down the operations. Now, this is as a result of the challenging business environment and high tariffs. Now, Chunam Akpelu is the Greater Accra Regional Chairman of the Association of Ghana Industries and has been making a strong case for the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission to review the recent tariffs for industries. Now, beverage companies, for example, our beverage rely very heavily on water to produce the drinks that they produce and so on. And so that cost is a major cost for production. And if you increase the water by 48% within six months, that affects the overall cost of the, the beverage firm. Mm. And deep that we're having all of these cheap beverage products being imported, they are unable to compete. 
So as a result, some of the folks are really closing down, I mean, or cutting down operations. Some of the workers are being laid off because they are unable to compete. All right. So we're saying that these are the realities that need to be dealt with. So an increment in utility, AGI is not against it. We are yes. just saying that it has to be man in a manner that is helpful for us as industry. And Chona Mapelo is the Greater Accra Regional Chairman of the Association of Ghana Industries. Now, former Chairman of Parliament Finance Committee, Dr. Marcus Ibeyabwa, is pushing for a renegotiation with the IMF of Ghana's debt level reduction. Now, government is expected to reduce the country's debt levels to 55% of GDP by 2028. Now, this has resulted in the Finance Ministry embarking on a debt exchange program with the Domestic Exchange Initiative, which has actually been hit with some opposition. Dr. Ibeyabwa insists this might be the way to go. Go to the IMF and tell them that the negotiations we did in October, which said that debt to GDP ratio should come down to 15%, debt service of 18%. We cannot meet those standards. That's why we call it IMF negotiations with the fund. Mm -hmm. We cannot, because we cannot carry out measures which will uh, bring difficulties on our people. We have, we have to put a human face to the debt restriction. I think there are people at the fund who understand the issues and then they know the kind of fragile economy we have, the impact on our citizenry and they would also bend over. So there's nothing wrong with going back to the fund. It might delay the whole process by another two months, but we have to get this right. Dr. Marcus Sibayabua is the former chair of uh, Parliament's uh, Finance Committee in a separate development. The Institute of Economic Affairs is asking government to exclude rural banks, individual bondholders and pension funds from the domestic debt exchange program given their relative financial challenges. He has been speaking at a news conference in Accra. Rural banks, again, because they pick the savings of rural people, poor people, and then they, they invest it in government bonds. And some are under compulsion that monetary policy requirement, even to invest in government bonds, I mean the rural banks. So why are you seizing their monies, you know, which belong to poor people? And so they, they should be excluded. If anything at all, deal with the, the big banks, the commercial banks. And that is the Dr. John Kwachi. He is the director at the Institute of Economic Affairs. To other stories, and let's talk about the fact that the Bank of Ghana has announced that it would hold, actually started its first Monetary Policy Committee meeting for this year. But what are some of the issues that would dominate this first garden for the year? There is more in this report. Should some extra measures be introduced to help deal with recent pressure on the Ghana city? Well, that is one of the questions that will come up strongly during this meeting. This is due to the recent challenges with the local currency, which started in December last year. The committee will also not forget about the perennial first quarter pressure on the city, as most businesses demand dollars to restock for the year. Again, what will be the inflation rate, whether it will decline indeed in the coming months or some new measures are needed to check liquidity? Most industry watches will also be looking forward to the end of year numbers when it comes to Ghana's debt stock, CD's performance against the dollar, inflation rates, and whether the Bank of Ghana ended 2022 messing out on most of the key monetary indicators. Also, Update on the IMF program negotiations and the almighty debt exchange program and its impact on the entire banking industry. 
That is the business text report in a related development. That is it. Dr. Samankra, president of the African Investment Group, is one of those businesses that is making a strong case for the Bank of Ghana to concentrate heavily on stabilizing the Ghana city for the first quarter of this year. The flippage of the currency is a huge problem. It cannot be done overnight, but I'm sure a solid proposal to IMF to back them on a pegging situation for a period just to bring some sanity into the market. It's something that you should research and look into. Because without stability, all these that we're talking about, the fundamentals cannot be built overnight. And from my point of view, I believe that if we look at stabilizing it where we can have the currency pegged for at least some years, and then sort out homegrown policies where we raise higher taxes on importation and give tax leeway to local production. Dr. Saman Christ, president of the African Investment Group, making a strong case for the Bank of Ghana to make the city stability its priority as the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of Ghana began meeting today for the next three days to review developments in the economy. While well, the commercial banks are quoting a dollar at 12 Ghana cities, 50 pesos, that is the average quotes that they are offering to their clients, while the Forex Bureau sell a dollar at 13 Ghana cities, 20 pesos. To the stock market, if you a shareholder in Cowbank, he lost a peso today and his share is now worth 57 pesos. Gold was also down by a peso to close at one Ghana cities, 70 pesos. That of Unilever lost 27 pesos and is now worth two Ghana cities, 50 pesos. And that's all for business on news night. Thank you very much, George. It's time for sports now. Musbao is here uh, with the very latest. Musbao, what do we have? Well, MFL, we understand former Nottingham Forest and Black Stars technical advisor Chris Hutton is likely to be announced as the new coach of the senior national team to replace Otto Addo, who left the role following Ghana's exit from the World Cup. Well, Chris Hutton stint with the team as technical advisor seems to have given him this upper hand over other candidates, but sources indicating that the association is convinced that his familiarity with the team will be a useful asset in the quest to reposition the Black Stars as a competitive side. However, rumors are also rife that the decision to choose him is only because the FA can easily manipulate him, a view also shared by sports enthusiast and member of parliament, Honorable Sam George. That job, they've given it to Chris Hitting already, so why are we wasting our time? Already? Oh. So they shouldn't apply? They, they've given it to him because they want someone they can manipulate, someone who they can use to do their business, someone who they can tell, if our team selection, okay, okay, this one is my team player. Me, I'm at the GFA. This is this person plays for me. I'm his manager. Put him inside. Whether he's played or kicked the ball in eight months or not, they put him inside. Look, let's not waste our time. That's uh, Honourable Sam George there. Well, so events, um, you're likely to see uh, Chris Heaton appointed head coach of the Black Stars, hopefully by the end of this week or early February. Okay, thank you very much, Musbao. Now, in the second part of our series, Ghana Schools of Shame, Jojo Kobna reports that 7,000 students in the Kwandai district of the northern region do not have furniture. A lot of these children ride while squatting, kneeling, or lying on their bellies. The children want the government to give them school furniture so they may learn comfortably and with dignity. We are not sparing any efforts to make education in Ghana of the best quality and fit for the needs of the 21st century. Poverty should not be an excuse for any Ghanaian child not to reach their full potential. 
Bashir Nuridin speaks for about 7,000 children without desk in the Pandai district. Art is disturbing our space. We don't have furnitures. Sometimes when we are coming to school, we feel bored. We don't even fail to come to school because we don't have furnitures. If we dress and come to school, you come and sit on the floor, your chairs will be dirty. So we are begging the government to give us chairs. Every morning, these children carry stools and plastic chairs on their heads and head to school. Many of these children have walked several kilometers just to access school. Their school, Balai Dia Primary School in the Pandai district of the northern region, has no furniture. So their parents bought plastic chairs for them. Today is very important to these pupils. They have to write the end of their third term examinations. This examination is critical for them as it will determine whether they will be promoted to the next class or not. To avoid being late, some ride their bicycles hurriedly to school. Those who are fortunate settle in their chairs, but the majority of them go down on their knees, not as a form of worship, but to write exams. Those with plastic chairs put their exam papers on their lap and write while others kneel and put their exams papers on their chairs. With time, tiredness sets in and many who are sitting on the bare floor start to kneel. As time progresses, some change their positions and then lie on their bellies and begin to write. The Hamatan strong winds blow dust into the classrooms and settles on the children on the floor. Three pupils sit on a bench. They face different directions while they continue writing the examinations. It is therefore impossible for these pupils to do independent work without copying or engaging in examination or practice. Exams papers become dirty. School uniforms also become dirty. Nuruddin is not happy that they bathe and wear clean uniforms only for them to sit on the dirty bare floor. When we come and sit on the floor, our things will be dirty. And next day, when you go home, you, you, you like to wash your things, but your parents will not agree for you to wash the things. Because the soap, the soap is now, uh, all things are now critical. You don't have money to buy soap. Every day when you come to school, you go and you want to wash your things. Your parents will not agree. New Dean's concern is corroborated by another student. My name is Ndoti Alice. I am in class 6. I'm, I want to be a lady. I want to be a nurse. When we are writing examination like this, we kneel on floor and write exams. After I finish writing, your paper will get dirty. If you went home and you want to take soap, your parents doesn't allow you to take it. They will say every time you wash your uniform and we say now soap are not expensive. To avoid being dirty, one pupil brought a cloth from the house and slept on it. The children admitted that lying on the bare floor makes them lazy and sometimes sleepy. When master is teaching, when we are sitting on the floor, we feel sleeping, we don't feel excited at all. Balai is not the only school in the Pandai district without furniture. The district education officer of the Pandai district, Yao Safo, paints a gloomy picture of the furniture situation. For most of the primary schools, they have just uh, three-unit classrooms. So 
you find that uh, most of the pupils have classes either under trees or any or in a sheds. And the district education director there ending that report by Jojo Kabbner. Well, individual bondholders more than ever are resolved in their demand for a total exemption from the domestic debt exchange program following the onboarding of the Ghana Association of Banks. The forum are assured that the bank signing on gives government 80% of its bond targets needed to secure a deal from the IMF, which then frees individual holders their 11%. Yesterday, a joint statement from the Ministry of Finance and the Association of Bankers confirmed that terms of the deal had been reviewed uh, to find Finance, um, to, to favor the banks leading them to sign on. The details of the new agreement include an agreement to pay a 5% coupon for 2023. Well, there are concerns about um, what exactly has happened so far in terms of talks and interactions with the individual bondholders and government. Let's bring in the convener, uh, Senor Jose, uh, joining us. We are grateful for your time here on Newsnight, sir. So let's talk about the extent to which uh, the bank's signing make a difference in your negotiations with government. Well, uh, government has indicated that you need 80% of uh, participation on this eligible bond. And the bond, the banks are a major uh, subscriber to the entire eligible bond. So if you are participating, then the government will be able to get closer to 80%. And we commend the banks and government for reaching a deal. And that further emphasizes the, the, the need for government not to add individual bondholders because they are likely going to, they are definitely going to get their 80%. And there's no need to change their 11%. The other thing government has to realize that now with banks getting into this mix, banks are going to have challenges with loanable funds, which come from households. So when you stifle their source of loanable funds and you stifle them at the same time, you might as well just close down the economy. So I think that there's going to be a good balance in this entire mix. And individual bondholders have to be left off the book. Another thing that we all need to note is that the banks have been given certain incentives like capital discretion ratio, a financial stability fund, as well as the cash reserve requirement revisions, which we just favor the banks and the ability to sustain operations. There can't be any of any any kind of package like that for individual bond bondholders. So there's there's no point trying to punish us unnecessarily when there's no no incentive for it. You need eighty percent. We are 11%. You still have 89% within the market to solve your problem. Please, Exodus 5-1, let our people go. That's the convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum, Senor Jose. Thank you so much for joining us here on Newsnight. That's how we wrap up tonight's edition. And the Geek Squad, they are up next. And Spikey is here. What are we doing today? Coding robotics? Tell yes, us more. Yes, yes, coding. So we're talking about the Ghana Code Club. And we're having a discussion with the founder and the CEO. So if you know this this era, every young person <laughs> should be aspiring to have an idea about coding. Because all the jobs are at risk if you don't know some code of some sort. Yeah, if something if your job is automated, you'll be the best person if you know how to control. See the look on Evan's face. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's not he's not at risk. You're not at risk. Okay. But, the generation after us, they are at risk okay. if they don't know these stuff. So, yeah. That's why you see five-year-olds and all, they're coding now. Yeah, very necessary. It's just like speaking English now. It should be a second hey. language. Okay. Yeah. We'll be tuned Very necessary. Evans, please, we'll just stay tuned in. Mm. <laughs> Code 101. <laughs> and that's our show for tonight. Have a good evening. I am MFA Paul. I am Evans Mentor.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Station with the best, best,
It's a Tuesday, seven minutes after seven. My name is Kofi Spiky Nkrumah, and when you hear that soundtrack, you know that we're here to talk bits and bytes, technology, and everything about it. We're here to educate you. We're here to inform you. Sometimes we do try to entertain you, assuming that Michael and Winston get very good jokes. Then, yeah, we entertain you. But uh, on the days that you don't, and on the days that I don't save them, then, yeah, you're not entertained. But... We do aspire to entertain you with that education and information. With all that being said, today on the show, we're talking to everyone who takes technology very seriously to the extent that they want their young ones to be empowered. They want them to know everything there is about technology, especially coding. Because like I said, prior to the beginning of the show, we're getting into a different time where, you know, every single job is evolving. Every role is evolving. If you thought that for the life of you, when, for instance, when my mother was on radio, they needed a different person to handle the console and then they'll be in the control room and then they're in the booth reading the news and whatnot. Then it came to our turn and the controls are here. We're, you know, facing them. And recently I saw online that 
it's automated now. It's it's powered by AI that it detects you speaking and the faders automatically just reduce the volume of the music. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to push any buttons, f- pull up the fader or pull it down. So there's no need. First off, the guy in the control room, yeah, he became redundant. Probably learned a new skill and didn't have to be in the control room again. The newscaster learned how to man the controls. Very soon, the newscaster doesn't have to man the controls. It's AI-powered. Then guess what happens next? The whole thing becomes AI-powered and everybody sits in their home and starts a station. Remember, because like years ago, everyone would like, we had only one. Then technology made it more democratic and more accessible. So it became ubiquitous. Now, very soon, it's going to become more democratic. Anyone everywhere can have their own. You don't want your child to be left behind. You don't want the young ones in your house to learn the skills that they're learning now without the power of technology to back it. So with that being said, today we're talking about how to promote healthy technology impact on your children. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 